You are listening to the Asking for a Friend podcast, an elder-led ministry of Believers Baptist Church in Emory, Texas. The Asking for a Friend podcast exists as a weekly resource for the edification and knowledge of God's people. My name is Jason Rowland. I'm one of the elders of Believers Baptist Church, and I'm joined on the podcast today by one of our other elders, Philip Castleton. Thank you for listening, whoever you may be and wherever you may be. May the Lord bless this podcast to you for a means of grace for your spiritual growth. Philip, I love the t-shirt that you got, that you wore in for the recording today. I am the Calvinist, your Armenian pastor warned you about. Yes, sir. Yeah. Now, Cole Middleton, who's a member of our congregation, who we both love dearly, he bought you that t-shirt. I don't have a t-shirt. Well, because you're that Armenian pastor. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, no, um, yeah, he uh, he did buy me this, and I'm grateful for it. There was another couple of shirts that he had considered, one of which I'm glad he didn't purchase for me. <laughs> but well, uh, well, this it, one will, it, will attract attention. Yeah, and and I'm not trying to make Cole feel uh, bad or guilty. But not too much anyway. Not too much, yeah. <laughs> but you're more fun to buy t-shirts for. Yeah. Well, I'm willing to wear them. Yeah, yeah. I, I probably wouldn't wear that. You'd wear it, but you'd put a long sleeve over it and button <laughs> yeah. it up where you can yeah. see it. Well, I'd wear it in San Antonio or yeah, Dallas yeah. or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wear it down the street. I wore it at the gas station this morning. I saw a guy reading it. He probably didn't understand it. Right. But he was reading my shirt, and I was I was tickled. I When I got back in the truck, I thought, I wonder if he drove off going, what's a Calvinist? Or yeah. if he went... That's one of those guys my pastor told me about. <laughs> yeah, that would be funny. <laughs> it would. <laughs> well, on the podcast today, we're going to answer the question, how do the pure in heart see God? We're in the Beatitudes out of Matthew chapter 5, and we've worked our way down now to the sixth of the Beatitudes. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God chapter 5, verse 8 of the Gospel of Matthew. We've already established uh, several things about these Beatitudes, Philip, and probably don't want to take the time to repeat all those things. Mm -hmm. So let's get right into the discussion here. What is is our understanding of pure in heart? Well, from my understanding, the way that I understand this, and, and I think these correlate in, in, in a real sense, like like the first one, for example, um, poor in spirit, um, I think that there's a correlation with mercy. The one who, who's poor in spirit will show mercy in a real sense, right? I think if we do that, if you use that one-to-one type thing, the next one would be those who mourn are the ones who are pure in heart. So what does it mean? The ones who, who recognize their sin, right, their ultimate um, they hate the the fact that they sin. They're going to be the ones who ultimately long hunger and thirst for righteousness. Mm-hmm. Well, it might be even said that if you um, if you're longing for purity, if you're hungering and thirsting for righteousness, if you're mourning over your sin, then you are pure in heart. Why? Because the pure in heart, the way that I understand it, I think, and we'll use some scriptures to make this point here in a minute, are those who have a singleness of mind, right? Their will, their emotion, their mind is all driven toward one thing. It it might be better said that they're without duplicity, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or their allegiances are singular, right? They don't have dueling allegiances. That's hard in the mm-hmm. culture we live in, right? Because everything's vying for our attention and mm-hmm. our allegiance. And, and um, But uh, the pure in heart is the one ultimately who who is without division 
and their desire. Right. So typically, I think the understanding of pure mm-hmm. in this um, verse would be the idea of um, free of contamination, uh, free of dirt. But or... I think you're making the same argument. Okay. And the reason is, is if you're free of contamination, you're mm. not divided. Right. The one who has a divided loyalty is contaminated. True. Because right. he he is singular in I, right? Right. The one who is not, the one who's divided is the one who loves money mm-hmm. and God. The Which one you can't who, do, right? Yeah. The one whose eye is single is clean. It's full of light. Right. The one whose eye is full of darkness doesn't even realize how dark he is. Right. He's, he has a divided loyalty. And I think that it is the picture of contamination without contamination. But the reason that contamination is bad is because it vies for our loyalty. Right. Right, right. So the definition then of of heart in this verse is the the, the Greek word cardia, mm-hmm. um, and it's used metaphorically in scripture. It's not talking about the the organ in our bodies that pumps the blood in our bodies, but it's talking re- referencing the seat of emotion and will and right, will. right. So that when you read um, verses. Like in Proverbs chapter 4, where it talks about um, guard your heart, for out of it comes the issues of life. He's not talking about guarding your physical organ in your body. He's talking about guarding your mind, your emotions, your will toward um, spiritual things, because that's where the issues of life come from. Well, they do. In fact, um, Jeremiah seventeen nine, right? The heart is deceitful above all things, desperately sick who can understand it. Matthew twelve thirty four, you brood of vipers. How can, listen to this, talking about divided loyalties. How can you speak good when you are evil, right? For out of the abundance of the heart, right, the mouth speaks. The good person out of the goodness of his treasure, the evil out of the evil treasure brings forth evil. Right. So here he's talking about a heart that's divided can't be true. Right. A heart that's singular in focus can. Matthew fifteen nineteen. for out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. Right. Psalm 51, 10, David longs for a clean heart, created me a clean heart, something that only God can do. And what he's saying is, I think... Give me a heart that longs only for you. Right. That doesn't lead me in, in directions that would... And you see where I'm saying, I think that this picture of, of, of unity of purpose or singleness yeah. of mind, or, right. th- I think that's Spiritual really... Spiritual integrity. Yes. Yeah. Th- those are all the things I yeah. think that mm-hmm. give us, th- that flavor the understanding here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so even the the writer um, in James, the book of James, remo- um, um Exhorts us not to be double, double-minded. Yes. Right. Yeah, it and, does. James 4, 8. Um, cleanse your heart, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Right. So we have the idea of a pure heart right. in contrast to double-mindedness. Right. Right. That is James 4, 8. Okay. Now, let's think about these um, Beatitudes quickly before we go into some uh, practical kind of thinking about being pure in heart. Because what we have said on another podcast was that the first four of the Beatitudes, which are poor, poor in spirit, mourning, uh, meek, and hungering and thirsting for righteousness, these would have a relationship particularly to God. They would be heart and mind attitudes toward God. Mm-hmm. The next four, beginning with blessed are the merciful 
and then into this one, blessed are the pure in heart, would tend to be leaning into more horizontal kind of uh, outworking of the first four. Yes, and this one might not be so obvious on the outset. Right. Because when we think of pure in heart, we're always talking about a loyalty to God versus loyalty to everything that's temporal, right? right? All the things we can see. So we see that and we go, well, how does that horizontal in nature? Because it it seems almost explicitly vertical in nature. Mm -hmm. And it it certainly is that. But I think we can look at other texts and realize that that our horizontal relationships are are a, almost a one for one um, correlation to our vertical one, right? Yes. If you don't love each other, you don't love me. How can you say you love me whom you have not seen when you don't love your brother whom you have? Right. Right. These kind of texts, um, we have situations like that. So if my if my love, if my the condition of my heart, if the things that I that I strive for. Uh, is if I if the thing I strive for rather than things is singular, it's God and Him alone. Mm-hmm. It's going to be reflected in how I act toward you. Yes, yes. Does that and make we, sense? Yes, because we will be either peacemakers, or we will be um, merciful, mm-hmm. or we will even bless those who persecute us. Yes, those will be the other three out of the 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 bottom four of the beatitudes. Sure, and so. Yeah, I, I agree with that, and I think it's important for us to um, think about the reality of what you were just saying, because it is the the clean heart that David prayed for. Um, later on in that same psalm, he, he says, so I can teach And he starts others. talking about the evangelism that is motivated right. in his heart by the fact that he's been made clean and his sins have been forgiven. That's right. It motivates um, a, an outward working in, yeah, that's exactly right. Right. So let's think about um, how are we to be pure in heart? How, how, do we, how do we become pure in heart, if you will? Uh, I, I recognize that the, the Lord in a regenerative work in us brings us to salvation and that is a heart change. Yeah, um, and I think that's probably the primary way, right? right? right. I mean, because that's the, the point. There's These are the ones who will see God. So whatever it is to be pure in heart, if we believe it's pure, in, it's only going to be ultimately the, the, the outworking of justification, reconciliation. I mean, and even, and interesting about this, if we think about the doctrine of reconciliation where we have been reconciled to God, right? The Corinthians text, 521, right? Mm-hmm. He, he was um, made sins and re- we were reconciled to God. It, it then says that we have been given the, the ministry of reconciliation yes. ourselves, right? Yes. To go out and preach. So there, there we can see how this vertical relationship extends itself horizontally, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But so, um, but it certainly has to start with the doctrine of justification, reconciliation, cleansing, you know, expiation, these things, this, this relationship to God is how we get there. So what do you say on that? How does it work itself out? Um, I, I think, yes, I'm thinking after the work of regeneration and the, the in the process of sanctification, the, to be pure in heart is to be, as you say, single-minded devotion toward God, which I think practically where the rubber hits the road, we're we're saying, I must admit my dependence on God. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it, that is a purity of heart where I can't cleanse myself of my sin. Right. In fact, I can't even say no to my sin often. And, uh, so mm-hmm. I need a dependency upon God. I need Him to help me to look for and use the way of escape mm-hmm. that He might provide. And I need Him to help me to think rightly about this decision, or I need Him to help me think rightly or how I ought to speak to my spouse, or whatever the case may be. I'm saying that the pure in heart manifests itself practically um, because I think it could be a very um, a pie-in-the-sky idea. Pure in heart, how do we bring it down? And I think we bring it down by saying uh, it's a willingness to admit I have a dependency upon God to do um, the, the life that he's called me to live. No, no, yes. And I think in that sense, then practically, it's it's an, uh, looking inward to see where my real motivations yes. and real desires come from. Yes. I mean, what am I truly loyal to, mm-hmm. right? What is it that I chase after? Mm-hmm. What is it that I hunger for? Right. What, um, you know... Where are where are my appetites, and, yes. and what, you know, because that's going to determine um, where my heart is is at. Right, right. The things I long for, the things I, the, the parts of my spiritual or physical life that I satisfy, mm-hmm. will determine actually where my hunger's at. Right, right, and will determine where my loyalty's at. Yes, that, and I think that 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 loyalty, that that sense of absolute dependence, or superior superior love or supreme love for Jesus um, you you have to work that through the means of grace that God's given which is again coming back to this idea of staying in the word depending on God walking by the spirit I'm working with a, a trainer I work with a trainer three days a week um, I'm trying to look like you, Philip. Trying to look like. Yeah. <laughs> All you gotta do is eat lots of cheeseburgers. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> you've been going about it the wrong way. Right. <laughs> anyway, working with this trainer, right? So we have a goal, and uh, you know, not that I'm going to be Mr. Universe or anything like that. Just trying to be healthy, and mm-hmm. and I have to do box squats, bench press, um, um, what they call lawn mowers. Um, Barbell curls, you know, I have to do all of these different exercises with weights mm-hmm. in order to get, reach the goal. If I want to love supremely with loyalty, be devoted to, undivided, right. uncontaminated, mm-hmm. pure in heart, then then um, I need to avail myself of the Word of God. I need to hear the Holy Spirit. I need to put myself in a place of dependency upon Him um, in in times of temptation or whatever. You know, you're making a point that takes me back to a conversation we had at lunch a minute ago. You know, we one of the ways that um, this becomes a reality for us is to make me, make use of the means of grace, right? right. Okay, so we do. We, we pray, we, we read our Bibles, we go to church, we um, fast, we, we do whatever, right? But then we take the milk in... And we chew it or process it. We drink it down. We let our body digest those things and we grow from it. And if we're not growing from it, all we, the, you know, if it's just passing through, we have a digestive problem. <laughs> right. And if that's the case, it might be evidence that, um, th- that our heart is sick. 
mm-hmm. and that it's divided and that it's tainted and mm-hmm. it's impure. Does that make sense? Yes. And I think that that might be some good evidence of that because what we end up seeing, and we, we were talking about this a minute ago, even in, in our own church, and, and I think it's common in a lot of churches, is we see um, there's oftentimes many people who claim to have some kind of loyalty, right, to, to, to Christ. But it certainly doesn't seem undivided in any sense because they, um, so many other things get in the way mm-hmm. of, their, of their service and, and of their, what appears to be devotion, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and why? Why is that? It, it, it's most likely that their appetites are, are, you know, when I eat carbs all the time, I crave carbs mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. When I quit eating carbs, for a short amount of time, I crave them. Mm-hmm. But it's not too long that if I'm only eating protein, my body doesn't desire carbs anymore. Mm-hmm. I could actually go on a zero-carb diet for a long period of time if I can just get past the first couple of weeks, mm-hmm. right? But the problem is we never stop shoving the sugar in our mouth. And I'm talking about spiritually. Mm-hmm. So we never get to where we we desire that which is good for us. Right. And and I wonder if our inability to digest the meat and our and is is why we're so happy to just suck on the milk. And we, I think that's some of that. What you're trying to say here is mm-hmm. how how do we get past this this point of division and uncleanness and and and, and seek to be to be marked by Christ alone? Right. Right. right exactly. Well, um, what does it mean that the pure in heart will see God? They shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Do we see God in our confession, our repentance, and our dependency, and our uh, love, uh, supreme love for Him? I think that I think this has an eschatological um, reality to it. Right. I think the, I think what's being said here is you shouldn't expect. To see God, mm-hmm. you know, in mm-hmm. the end, right? Right. Looking forward to that day when Christ will be revealed in all his glory and the inheritance of the saints will be, you know, be given and so forth, right? Right. Um, you should not have an expectation of that if, you're, if your loyalty is divided. Because yeah. you cannot worship God and money or God and anything. It's Christ alone or it's Christ not at all. And I think that is, I think this has an eschatological uh, significance to it here. Right. All, those who will see God, those and those alone who will see God are the ones who have been marked by an undivided loyalty. Now, obviously, we're not talking about sinlessness. Right. I mean, John tells us clearly that we're not going to um, be void of a reality of sin in our life, this this side of heaven. Mm-hmm. But but that in itself, the remainder of sin in ourself, should be the thing that makes us long for an undivided heart because we should be so sick of the, of the ongoing and remaining sin in our hearts and lives that we hunger and thirst for the very thing that will help us rid and shed that. Right. I think one way to put into words from the Bible... What you're saying is 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Yeah. 
he sets all those things aside which would encumber him, right? right. He sets all those things aside which would distract him from, right. the, from, from what is important and seeks him and him alone. This is what he means, hunger and thirst for righteousness. I mean, this is what it boils down to, right? Right. Uh, you know, the writer of Hebrews chapter 12 says that we ought to lay aside every encumbrance, every weight and sin which clings so closely and run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Paul. Paul says as much, the same way. He, after giving this laundry list of things that would have um, marked him out as unique in, in his own society, a Hebrew of Hebrews, right? right? A keeper of the law. He actually says all of those things he counts as loss. Yes. He recognizes there's no real value in them at all. And he sets them aside. The thing that he used to be focused on, he says, I've cast it aside. I've put it behind me. For what? The sake and the worth of knowing Christ. Yes. He's, he's moved his attention from one thing of of of. of temporal value, if it had any at all, right. to that thing of surpassing value. He says, and I, I have suffered the loss of all things. I count them as, as rubbish or trash, right? In order that I might gain Christ and find in him, not having a righteousness of my own, but that which comes uh, of that which comes from the law. But no, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. I, I don't want any of that stuff anymore. Right. I, 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 I recognize in Christ a treasure that is beyond all, right? The man who, who buys the field because he's found that thing, right? He's no longer divided in it, in his attentions. Mm-hmm. He's got, he's single-minded. He has recognized that the treasure that's in that field is greater than anything he's ever seen. Right. And all he can do is strain to get that field bought and to have that, that treasure. I think that's exactly what Paul's talking about here. Right. He says, I used to have all this stuff and I thought it was so valuable. Right. I thought it was so, so good and so worthy of my time and my efforts. And then I saw Christ. And when I saw him, all that other stuff just faded into oblivion. I realized it was, wasn't anything. All I wanted was Christ. All I longed for was Christ. And his attention was no longer divided. His attention was singular. His, he, all the things that marked him out as impure because they, they have no value. They're futile. He set them aside and, and long for the thing that was eternal. Exactly. And so that, I think, is a, a, some good comments, some good thoughts that help us to understand um, that beatitude and answer the question that we've asked, how do the pure in heart see God and, and trying to, to make um, a, a, a good biblical answer toward that question. And so uh, we pray that this has been helpful to you and thank you again for taking the time to listen. We appreciate that you would um, use some of the uh, moments of your day to listen to the Asking for a Friend podcast. And again, our prayer is that it would be a means of grace for your spiritual growth. Amen.